First Samuel chapter 3, verses 1 through 10 says, And the child Samuel ministered unto the Lord before Eli, and the word of the Lord was precious in those days. There was no open vision. And it came to pass at the time when Eli was laid down in his place, and his eyes began to wax dim that he could not see. And ere the lamp of God went out in the temple of the Lord, where the ark of God was, and Samuel was laid down to sleep. Then the Lord called Samuel, and he answered, Here am I. And he ran unto Eli and said, Here I am, for thou callest me. And he said, I called not, lie down again. And he went and lay down. And the Lord called yet again Samuel. And Samuel arose and went to Eli and said, Here I am, for thou didst callest me. And he answered, I call not, my son, lie down again. Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord, neither was the word of the Lord yet revealed unto him. And the Lord, and the Lord called Samuel again the third time, and he arose and went to Eli and said, Here I am, and for thou didst calleth me. And Eli perceived that the Lord had called the child. Therefore Eli said unto Samuel, Go lie down, and it shall be, if he call thee, that thou shalt say, Speak, Lord, for thy servant heareth. So Samuel went and lay down in his place. And the Lord came and stood and called as at other times, Samuel, Samuel. Then Samuel answered, Speak, for thy servant heareth. For the next few moments, I would like to preach recognizing the voice of God. Recognizing the voice of God. So in Webster's Dictionary, the word immaturity is defined as exhibiting less than an expected degree of maturity, lacking complete growth, differentiating of or developing. Cambridge's Dictionary says, and what I'm going off of tonight is, not having much experience of something. When we look back over our lives, we can all say when we were younger, we didn't know half of what we do now. When we were 10, 18, if you have hit 18 yet, you can say I know more uh, now than what I did then. And you can say that you've matured over the years, some of us more than others. I haven't. I'm still the same kid, and whenever I go to camp and they have me working, they're always checking me to see if I have anything to prank people with, whether it's fireworks or stinky spray or whatever it is. They always are checking my luggage. But some of us mature more than others over time, but we can all say that over the years we have learned something new, and we are still learning as we go along. At the age of 87, Michelangelo left a quote for everybody that says, I'm still learning. At 87, he's still saying, I'm still learning. But in 1 Corinthians 13 11, it says, When I was a child, I spake as a child. I understood as a child. I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. When you're a child, you know, you, you, you try to talk to kids and their attention span is less than five seconds. Their grammar isn't the greatest. They can barely talk a sentence. They don't even know what a paragraph is. But when they try to talk a sentence... It just keeps on going and going and going, and you don't know if they're going to suffocate and pass out before they finish the sentence or not because they don't know where to breathe. <laughs> but as you grow older, you start to learn those things. You develop a greater vocabulary. You, you, you know um, where the paragraphs and the periods are to breathe, and you also have better understanding of what people are talking about. You have deeper thoughts. But at some point in your life, you also make the decision that I need to grow and move forward with God, that I need a greater walk with God. 
And you can say over the years that not only have you grown and developed your vocabulary, but you can say that we didn't, I didn't know how to pray like I do now when I was younger. I didn't understand the Word of God when I was younger like I do now, and I didn't know or was aware of the evil that is going around in the world like I do now. But somewhere in your life, you decided that you were going to make the decision to grow with God. When I was young, I, I got bored when I hearing preaching. I, I didn't want to pray. I didn't want to read my Bible. I didn't want to have anything that revolved around church. And while I was doing that, my friends, they were, they were growing with their walks with God. They were able to do what they wanted to do in the church. The uh, pastor was allowing them, you know, to be more free in the church because he trusted in them. And they were answering their callings while I was still sitting on a pew. And I was just like magically thinking God was just going to drop my, uh, my calling down to me while I was putting no effort into it. To mature, you have to put effort into it. No matter what it is, if you want to become great at something, you have to put time into it. You have to, to put time into prayer if you want to be able to pray those longer hours. You have to be able to put time into studying if you want to be able to understand the Word of God greater. Job 12 and 12 and 13 says, With the ancient is wisdom and in length of days understanding. With him is wisdom and strength. He hath counsel and understanding. The ESV says, wisdom is with the aged, and understanding in length of days. With God are wisdom and might. He, he has counsel and understanding. So as you go through life, as you continue to age, that's when you're going to get wisdom because you're going to be seeing things that the younger generations haven't seen yet. You're going to be going through things that the younger generations haven't seen yet. And if you continue to go with God, then God's going to give you the wisdom to be able to go through the trials. He's going to give you the strength, the might, to be able to push through those situations. He's going to be the counselor to tell you whenever you're going through something or if you're around people, or if you're having things in your life, he's going to counsel you to take those things out of your life. Amen. And he's going to give you understanding so then you, then you know why he's doing what he's doing and you're not going to question or doubt why he's doing it. He's not putting you on a, you know, your own little island for no reason. He's not, he's not putting you there just so then everybody else can look at you and just be like, that's the weird guy because he doesn't want, he doesn't do anything in life. But, we always say we want wisdom and anointing like elders of the church. Like we have Sister Martha Angel and Mama Rachel and all the other elders of the church. And you got pastors and preachers like Pastor Chad and also Brother Aaron Bounds and David Bounds. And we always say we want the wisdom and the anointing. But for that to happen, we have to have our own relationship and walk with God to even come close to having that. Amen. Amen. So some of the things you can do is to sit down with these people. And ask them, what was the things that benefited you? What, was, what really helped you with your leaps and bounds walking with God? And they'll all say, it, it isn't easy. It wasn't easy. It had to take sacrifice. It took dedication. It took me making a made-up mind to mature. I had to throw the childish desires away and make up in my mind that I wanted to walk with God and not walk in the world. You have to stop acting. Stop thinking and stop speaking as a child and put the childish things away and make the decision that I want to mature with God. Ephesians 4 and 14 says that we henceforth be no more, chi no more children tossed to and fro and carried through every wind of doctrine by slate of men and cunning craftiness whereby they lie in wait to deceive. When you're a child, you, 
you always, you, you like to change what you, your favorite thing is. Every week it seems like a child is having a new favorite ice cream or a new uh, favorite song or a new favorite movie or toy or friend. It always seems like they change, and that's how it is in the world. You're always trying something new. You're always trying to find that void that's in your life, and the only thing that's going to make up for that void is walking with God, having a relationship with God in your life. And when you have a relationship with God, then you're also going to know what the doctrine you stand for is and what your standards are, and you're not going to be afraid of what you believe or what you say when somebody asks you a question. You're just going to be able to answer by faith. And when situations come your way, you've already built yourself on a solid rock. It says in Psalms 40 and 2, it says, He brought me up also out of the horrible pit, out of the miry clay, and set my feet upon a rock and established my goings. And as a child or somebody in the world, you, you know, you start off in that position. But when you decide to consecrate yourself, when you decide that, you know, you want to have that prayer life and you want to have that study time, that's where he's taking you out of that miry clay and out of that pit. And he's setting you on that solid rock and he's going to tell you where you're going and he's going to establish your goings and where you're going to go, how you're going to do it and what you're going to do. Amen. When you stand on the rock, there's nothing that can disrupt you because you have built your life on a solid foundation. Because all you have to do is call on the name at that point, and there he is to help you. Amen. When other people are, are doing what they want, and you can, it says that they build their house in the sand, they keep trying to build themselves up, but it always seems like something knocks them over. Then they're going to say, why is he you know, elevating? Why is he going through situations, and it doesn't seem like it's phasing him? It's because you built your house on a solid rock, so when those situations come, they aren't going to blow you over, but you're going to continue to excel with God. Amen. Amen. But when we stand on a rock, you're not going to become distraught or dismayed. You're going to be able to continue and grow and mature with God. So tying it all back in with Samuel, referring back with Samuel, it, it says, it, you can see that at that point he didn't have really a relationship with God yet. But as you read through the chapters going forward, it shows that he did have a walk because eventually he was the one that went and anointed the next king of Israel. Because God said, hey, go and go anoint him. So he goes to Jesse's house, and he tells Jesse, hey, I need to see your sons. So he goes and gets his sons, and the first one that comes is Eliab. And Eliab, I guess, was this strong, you know, tall, good-looking, masculine guy. And probably Samuel was like, this guy looks like he should be the, the king. He looks like a king. So he starts looking, and all of a sudden God says, no, don't, don't judge him off of his height and his stature. It's like, he's not the one. Move on. So he says no to Eliab, and then Abinadab comes up. And again, he listens to God, and God tells him, no, this isn't him. And then Shama, and then the rest of the brothers. And each one were denied. And, you know, at that point, Samuel could have got a little upset because he went through the brothers. But instead of just turning and walking away, he looked at Jesse and said, is there not another son? And then he says, well, there is one more, but he's attending the sheep. He's, he's the shepherd. And so he said, go and get him. Bring him here. And David was that guy he, where he was a shepherd. He probably came in. He was dirty, smelly. He probably wasn't the fittest or maybe even the best looking out of the group. But God said, that's him. Anoint him. Stand up, arise, and anoint him because he's going to be the next king of Israel. 
Amen. If, if, if Samuel would have never listened to the voice of God back when he was in the temple, then he would have never had the opportunity to be able to anoint the next king over Israel one day. And not only that, but with us, if we, if we don't listen to the voice of God, if we don't have a walk with God, not only does it affect us, but it also can affect the people around us as well. When you, when you aren't living for God, then that person that God may have had for you to go and speak a word of life to or a word of positivity or just a phone call or a card just saying, hey, I'm thinking about you, then they may never have the chance to stay in the church and you failed at what God wanted you to be able to succeed at. It is important that we mature, that we can recognize the voice of God in our lives. And in the opening scriptures, in 1 Samuel 3 and 3, it says, Ere the lamp of God went out in the temple of the Lord, where the ark of God was, and Samuel was laid down to sleep. So the lights were off, the temple was dark, it was probably hard to see, or he probably wasn't able to see at all. And while Samuel was sleeping, God awoke him. And instead of knowing it was God, he, he thought it was Eli. And like we read, he goes to Eli, and Eli says, no, I didn't call you. Go back to bed. And this happened several times. And so finally, Eli sees that it was God that was calling for him. So he told him, the next time you hear this, say, speak, Lord, for your servant heareth. And so Samuel was able to get around in the temple. He, he knew every hall. He knew um, where he had to be careful walking around because if not, he was going to trip or something. And maybe it's just me. I don't know. Maybe, maybe I'm the only one. But have you ever went, got up in the middle of the night and you thought you could see well, so you go to the bathroom or you go to the kitchen and you're like, hey, I, I, I can do it without the lights on because who likes it when you turn the lights on and you're squinting the whole time and you can't see? But so you're going through the house, and then all of a sudden, right before you get there, you trip over something, or even worse, you hit your little toe on something, and then it's almost to the point where you have to repent because it hurts so bad. Maybe it's just me, I don't know, but, but Samuel, Samuel was able to make it to Eli every time. He lived in the temple. He knew the layout of the temple. He studied in the temple. He worshiped in the temple, but he didn't know the voice of God when God was calling for him. And as a church, praying, teaching, worshiping, working around the church, it shouldn't be a performance. It shouldn't be an act. It, we need to stop playing church and start being the church. We, need, we shouldn't be doing those things if we aren't recognizing the voice of God in our lives. Amen. We shouldn't be okay with coming to church and not being able to hear the voice of God. Or you're praying and you don't have that thought because we all have them sometimes. Because you know it was a thought of God. It wasn't you that uh, thought it, but it was God impressing that thought upon you. We need to have the voice of God in our lives leading us. I don't want to go through life without God leading me. Amen. It says in John 8 and 47, He that is of God heareth God's word. Yet ye therefore hear them not, because ye are not of God. When you act right, talk right, think right. When you pray, fast and study the word for the quality, not the quantity. It doesn't matter how much quantity you put into it. If you're not doing it for the quality, if you're not doing it so then you grow with God, then it's not going to do a bit of good. If you might be doing it so then you can go to pastor and say, hey, I read my Bible for eight hours in one day, or I prayed for a straight two hours. But if you're not growing while you're doing it, then you're just wasting your time. Amen. It's all about the quality. We need to... We need to deny ourselves, pick up our cross, and walk with him. Put the old things away. Amen. 
If you do this, you are going to hear from God. But if you don't and you don't mature with God, then you are never going to hear from God. And you are going to be going to church, doing the routines over and over and over. And finally you get frustrated. It becomes tiring. And then finally you just want to quit because every time you get frustrated with something, you want to quit. When God could be calling you to something far greater, but you aren't taking the time to be able to listen. And he could be wanting you to, to be the, the tool or one of the tools in the church to help catapult the church into a revival. But if you don't hear where he wants you to go or hear what he wants you to do, then you're never going to be able to be a resource for God. But without being able to recognize God, you will never, you will never be able to be in the will of God. Victory is found when you recognize the voice of God. Just look at Gideon in the 300. He was in the tent the night before the battle, and he already lost most of his men because God was, you know, cutting them out. And he, and he was probably in the tent saying, why, God, why have you put me in this spot? I already didn't have enough men to begin with, but now I really don't have enough men. But then Gideon, I mean, God comes to Gideon and says, come take a walk with me. We're going to go down to the enemy's camp. And Gideon could have been like, you're crazy. I'm not going down to the enemy's camp. I'll get killed. But he goes. And when he gets down there, he's in the brush right beside one of the tents where the, men, the two men were sitting there talking. And when he started listening in, it was the two men talking about dreams that they had. And they were talking about how Gideon and his army were going to defeat the, the, the uh, army that they were facing. And when he went back, he was praising the Lord and worshiping God. God doesn't want, you know, you to worry. He doesn't want you to think that, that you know, you're going to be lost. But he wants you to be encouraged. He wants you to be motivated. It says, be not afraid nor dismayed by the reason of this great multitude. For the battle is not yours, but God's. All you have to do is just show up. God's already won the battle for you. All you have to do is just stand there and be ready and be present. The battle is the Lord's. Moses leading the children out of Egypt, he, didn't, he wouldn't have sta- stood a chance against Pharaoh if it wasn't for the Lord. He wouldn't have even showed up against Pharaoh, but God showed up in a fiery bush, and Moses listened. But he did say, well, I, I have a speech impairment. I, I, I have a stuttering problem. And, but the Lord said, it's okay. I want to use your brother. I just want you to do what I tell you to do. Don't allow your faults to keep you from your walk with God. Don't allow your faults to keep you from your calling with God. Amen. God doesn't want you to worry about any of that. He just wants you to say, okay, Lord, I'm ready. Because God doesn't call the qualified. He qualifies the called. Amen. Joshua in the battle of Jericho, he was, he was told to march around the walls one time a day for six days. And on the seventh day, he was going to walk around seven times. And then he was going to have the men shout, and they were going to blow the trumpets as loud as they could. And when they did that, the walls came down. He wants us to shout. He wants us to shout with a voice of praise. He just says, hey, just worship me, and everything's going to be all right. So shout with a voice of triumph. Shout with a voice of praise, for he has already won the battle, and he has already given you the victory. When we listen and are led by God, everything works out. Everything falls into place. And it may not be the direction that you wanted to go in or the decisions you wanted to make, but when it's all said and done, it's going to be better than what you uh, were originally going to turn out to be. Because a lot of the times when we do it our own way, you see the people, they fall to the wayside. 
They don't make it to the end. But his way is the perfect way. So many times, though, that we can fail and we can fall. And the difference between the two different types of people, one's going to get back up while the other one stays down. But it says in Micah 7 and 8, it says, Rejoice not against me, O thine enemies. When I fall, I shall arise. When I sit in darkness, the Lord shall be a light unto me. When we fall, we just need to know that we can call on his name. And there he's going to be listening to us to pick us up because he's a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. He doesn't want us to walk around in confusion and chaos and in darkness, but he wants us to have vision. He wants us to be able to see the path that he set before us because he wants, to, he wants us to have understanding and wisdom. But when you begin to pray and you start to get the understanding of what God wants, everything is going to work out for the good because he'll never leave you nor forsake you. He is the way, the truth, and the life. And the more we mature, the more we grow closer to God, the more we are going to hear from God. I don't know about you, but I want to be led by God because it's not my will to be done, but it's his will to be done. Amen. And if, if the music wants to get ready, I'm almost done. But Romans 12 and 2 says, and be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind that ye may prove what is good and acceptable and perfect will of God. The world is going to try to tell you that you don't have to go to church every week. You don't have to stand for what's right all the time. You don't have to, you know, stay away from that party. But you can go and do the things that you want to do. Or if you don't want it, or you can go hang out with those coworkers. But it, it, doesn't, it doesn't work that way. It, but when you transform your mind, you're automatically going to know what God approves of. What's good to God. What's the perfect will of God? And we want to be in that will because, again, it's the perfect will. And we need to be striving to be closer to God because when we strive to be closer to God, we're going to hear from God. And when you hear from God, then you're not going to be wondering, what am I doing with my life? You're not going to be wondering, what's the next step? What, what's going to be the, the aftermath? Because God's just going to be able to say, this is what you need to do, and everything's going to work out for the good. Amen. If we can all stand, I, I don't want you to answer out loud or raise your hand or anything, but I just want to ask you, when was the last time you heard the voice of God or God impressed upon you a thought that he wanted you to do? And when he did this, did you listen or did you ignore it? Did you just say, not this time, God, but maybe next time? Amen. I want to obey the word of God. I don't want to hear the word of God and just throw it to the side like it's not important because God's word is the most important thing that we can have in our life. So tonight, I just want us to begin to raise our hands and pray that we hear the word of God tonight and that we listen and respond. And if God is calling you to come to the front or if you feel impressed to come to the front tonight, don't hesitate. Just begin to worship Him now at this time.